Happy Sabbath, wherever you are. Today, in part two of Walking the Light, last time we were studying the light in the Word of God, and we were talking a lot about who is the light. We know that Jesus Christ is the light, and God is light. And all of that, what that entails, we study some scriptures about how God enlightens everyone that comes into the world. And we talked a little bit as well about not only the physical aspect of God enlightening everybody that comes into the world and enlightening men, mankind in general, but also what is the spiritual, what is the spiritual aspect of our calling and what does this have to do with the light? And today in part two, we're going to continue that study. We started in 1 John 1 and we will continue in 1 John 1 to studying the, most of the rest of this chapter today because this is what is part of walk in the light. We saw the physical aspect in, of God's light in the physical creation and we saw the spiritual aspect of God being light and enlightening our way and who God is. But today we are going to have a little bit of different perspective. We'll continue with walking in the light and what all this entails and what it means. It's a little bit of a different message. It's a little bit of a difficult message in a sense, but it's also it's good for us to study these things because there are sections of the scripture that are they might be a little bit challenging for us, but they're actually very good to meditate and think on these things because when we were talking at the beginning of the of the call today and we were talking about challenges and we both have had our challenges this week and every week as we continue. For some is, is physical, for the, some is emotional, for some is spiritual, for some is a combination of those things or financial, many other challenges that we're always up against. But it's, it's good as we do this topic of walking in the light to realize what those challenges are also a part of ourselves that we may not be very aware of. And, and when I speak about these things, I'm also talking to myself. I'm, the first one was the Bible says, that those who teach also have to teach themselves. So this applies to me. I've done a lot of thinking and meditation on these things as well. But this is a, uh, something very important for us to read and to take to heart and to meditate, to just pause. This is for each one of us to just reflect as we study these things together in the Word of God. And we're going to continue in First John 1, where we started last time. We read the first five verses when we did part one and we studied about the light and talking about Jesus Christ and his nature and everything that he does. But we're going to begin in verse 6 today, 1 John 1 and verse 6. And in here in verse 6, the Apostle John is saying, If we proclaim that we have fellowship with him, but we are walking in the darkness, we are lying to ourselves and we are not practicing the truth. And it's very interesting that he says, if we proclaim that we have fellowship with him, and he says we are walking in darkness, if we're not walking in the light. And today we're going to like, really look at some scriptures that talk about this, that talk about the light and walking in the light, but, and also walking in darkness. And what does that mean? And not only that, but also what does it mean to walk in the, how, uh, in the light? How can we walk in the light? How can we do that? Because there's a very stern warning here. If we are walking in darkness, if we say that we have fellowship with him, but we are walking in darkness, we are lying to ourselves. And as we know, that's the worst kind of deception there is when we're lying to ourselves, when we're thinking that we're okay, that we're good. You know, we read that in the message to the Church of Laodicea, where they think they're, 
or we think, whoever Laodicea is, the blind, they think they're rich, and then they think they have all these things. They're good, and they're rich, and they have need of nothing. Jesus tells them, but no, you're poor and miserable and, and naked, and you, you need to buy ointment from me to anoint your eyes to see. So we're going to read some scriptures about this because we want to make sure that we're aware, that we're not walking in darkness, that we're not lying to ourselves, and we're going to find out that from time to time we do walk in, we walk in a little bit in darkness or toward the darkness instead of toward the light. That is our nature. Our human nature goes that direction automatically. But we're going to see with the Word of God that we have to be constantly coming to the Word of God and for God to enlighten us and for Him to light our path, for us to follow the Lamb wherever He goes, to follow that light. Let's go to John 3. Because in John 3, and we, in the discussion after the last message, we talked a little bit about this, because this is really explaining how is it that, that our inclination is to go walk in darkness. In John 3, in verse 17, and this is, this is as background, but we're going to get to those specific verses, but it's after John 3, 16, right? The famous verse of the, that encompasses so much about the plan of God, but it's more explanation about why God sent his only begotten son to the world. In, in verse 17, it says, For God sent not his son into the world that he might judge the world. So that, that should give us a bigger perspective that this is not the period of judgment for the entire world. Yes, for those who are called, it is a period of judgment, but it's not the period of judgment for everybody else yet. It says, but that the world might be saved through him. Because what he came to do, obviously, we know he came to give his life for everyone who accepts him, for every, anyone who receives him and believes him. That's why it says in verse 18, the one who believes in him is not judged, but the one who does not believe him, the one who does not believe, sorry, has already been judged because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And it's, and it's this theme in what the Apostle John writes about the nature of Jesus Christ and where he came, what he came to do. But it says that the one who believes is not judged. And it says, but the one who does not believe has already been judged. And then he's going to explain to us what is that judgment. In verse 19, it says, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world. And we already studied that last time as to who is that light and what he came to do. But the light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And this, this tells us a lot of why people love darkness and choose darkness. Because if our works are evil, it brings so many things with it. It brings shame. It brings sorrow. It brings sadness. And all of those things we saw right away with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's the very first thing they did. They saw that they were naked. They were ashamed. They covered themselves with leaves, hid themselves because they had sinned. So sin brings all of these things. Sin brings shame and sorrow and sadness. And all of these things are the result of sin. But that's why it says men love darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want our evil deeds to be proclaimed in front of other people. And that is human nature. That is for every human being, whether they're called or not. It doesn't matter. 
this is our nature is to hide ourselves and to be ashamed and to have all of these things and not wanting to come. That's that happens to us, right? When we do something bad, is it natural and easy in our first first thought to go pray and to go ask for forgiveness immediately? It's hard sometimes. Sometimes we don't do that immediately. Why? We because our nature pulls us to go to that darkness. Because our works are evil. Sometimes when we do that, and that that is not to mean that this is what we practice and that is what we are and that's what we're becoming. That I'm not talking about that at all. And we're gonna read a little bit more in First John later. But it says that men love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. That's the reason why men love darkness. That's why it's oh, there's this religion and there's God and all these things. Even though it says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in our hearts, and it's true. And we're made by our Creator to have a connection with Him. But if our works are evil, we really don't want to search that light. That's That happens to all of us. He said, and he says in verse 20, for everyone who practices, now that's the difference, for everyone who practices evil hates the light. Now this is another level. It's not that you don't come to the light. It says is that they hate the light. That's why they're anti-God. That's why there's so many people that are atheists. They're completely anti-God or worse, they even worship of Satan and all of that because they hate the light. And we know that Satan is the prince of darkness, but it says here, and does not come, it says, everyone who practices evil as a practice, as a way of being, it says, and does not come to the light so that his works may not be exposed. And then he makes a differentiation. It says, but the one who practices the truth and this is how the Apostle John always explains it, is a practice. You practice, what you practice is you're doing it often. That's a practice, right? So it says if we're practicing the truth, if we're practicing what it says in the Word of God, if we're practicing the truth, we come to the light. It says, comes to the light, it says, so that his works may be manifested, that they have been accomplished by the power of God. Why? Because then we start to understand. When we come to the light, we start to understand this. there's nothing good in, our, in and of ourselves. There is nothing good in us. The only good things that we have in us are the things of God that God has placed there. His Holy Spirit and the gifts that He has given us and those things, but they come from Him. And that is, and this is very important to, to distinguish between practicing evil, hating the light, and practicing truth and coming to the light. That's a differentiation between those who are coming to God and those who are not coming to God. The ones, if, you're, if you don't want to come to God, it may be because, you know, we have something. We have, we have shame. We have something. And, they, and this happens to us. We're not practicing evil, but we still do sin from time to time. And when we do that, we have to come to the light. We have to come back in repentance so that God may forgive us. And, that, and if we do that, if we're continually coming to the light, then we're, then we're practicing the truth more and more every day. But that's how we walk in the light. It says, does not, it, it says that the reason we come to the light is not for ourselves. It's not to pat ourselves in the back how good we are or anything like that. We know in the past, maybe we've done that at large in the churches of God. But that's wrong. That's not what God wants. He says that, we, that those who practice truth, they really come to the light so that his works may be manifested, that they have been accomplished by the power of God. Because the most important thing is give glory to God at the end of the day. It is his workmanship. We are his workmanship. 
And that's all what that matters. At the end of the day, God is going to be all in all. And he deserves all the credit and all the power and all the honor. And that's the reason why we have to strive to continue to practice the truth. To do the things that are right before God so that we can come and give the glory to God and acknowledge that everything has been done by his power. Instead of hating the light, or going into darkness a little bit, which happens to us. We understand those who are not called, they tend to have that pull, and they obey that pull, and they go in that pull, because they don't know any better at this point. It's not, it, it sometimes it's not, it's not their fault. We have to be wise and understanding and not comparing ourselves to them, and not that we're better than them, just God had mercy on us. But at the same time, there is this aspect of us within us still having sin, still having the law of sin and death, and still being subject to temptation and to falling into sin, that we do not walk in darkness, that we continue to come to the light in repentance. Because that is also a work, that repentance and that cleansing that takes place, that is also by the power of God. And we know that God knows everything, He sees everything, but let's go to Job 34. Because this, is, this tells us a little bit more about this. We know that, but let's read some scriptures as to why we think this. Why we think that the God can know what we're thinking and what we're doing all the time. Job 34 and verse 21. It says, for his eyes, and he's talking about God, for his eyes are on the ways of man. And he sees all his steps. So this is, these are just, we're going to read a few verses just to know and understand and be reminded of, really, that, that God sees everything that we do. That there is not, nothing that we can hide from God. But there is a decision to make. Are we going to come to the light? Are we going to walk in the light? Or are we going to go in darkness or shy away from the light a little bit? That is the decision that we have to make because God is bringing these things to us. He's bringing these things to, to our understanding right now as we study these things together. Let's go to Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. Because we're going to see how is it or one of the ways that God, that God sees everything that we do and the intention with which we do it. This is one of the means and this is a little bit more of an explanation and in, in Proverbs 20 and verse 27, it's where it says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And we heard recently from Michael Heiss in the messages about the biblical heart and what it is. It's everything that we are, right? That lab that what he was talking about, and it's everything. And that inward parts of the belly, that, that a lot of our emotions and a lot of what we are, it really comes from there. And that's what this is. But it says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So he gave us that spirit in us. And he knows exactly what is going on. Because he can understand the things that are going on in our minds and in our hearts. And in the deepest places of our being. And in here in the same chapter, if we scroll up just a few more verses... Just go up a few verses to verse 9. There's a question, and this is a question, one of the questions that I want for us to really think about, to ponder, to meditate. It says in verse 9, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. 
And that is a very good question for all of us to, to ask ourselves. As we talk about this walking in the light, because the very first thing is we have to acknowledge this. We have to acknowledge that we cannot say that I have made my heart clean I, and, and that we are pure from our sin. The reason that we say that we cannot make our hearts clean is because even the good works, even the cleansing is by the power of God, as we read in John 3. That's why we have to come to the light so that it be manifested that, uh, that the works that God is doing in us and through us and for us, they're made by the power of God. That's why we cannot say that we have made our hearts clean. And we cannot say that we are pure from our sin unless we repent and go back to God. And he cleanses because the word of God also talks about that. Right? That upon repentance, true repentance from the heart, and God can see the heart as we just saw, that then God can cleanse us from all iniquities. And he does. But it's just interesting to, to read these verses and to acknowledge and to meditate that we cannot say that we have made our hearts clean. And by ourselves, we, we cannot say that we're pure from our sins. It has to be this coming in the light. See, that's, this is how this ties together. Let's go to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Because there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about walking in the light and talk about the self-reflection. This self-reflection and acknowledgement of what we really are. And this purpose of the message is not to, to make us depressed or sad or bring us down. No, the purpose of this message is to see the truth in the Word of God, to acknowledge things, because that's actually liberating. When we're honest with ourselves, when we acknowledge what we really are, who we really are, how much we still have to overcome, how much God's still working in us, and through us, because he wants to use every single one of us, but he has to prepare us, and he has to continue to cleanse us, he has to continue to change us, but we have to acknowledge that we're still subject to, to, to the, our, our inclinations, that we're still subject to the law of sin and death, and that we still do sin, and we're going to read, that's what the Apostle John was talking about as well in First John, but this, is, this was a prayer from Moses, in Psalm 90, and he said the following in verse 8. He's praying to God. It's a prayer to God, a prayer from Moses. And he says, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your face. And it's interesting to think about that, to ask ourselves that question. What is our secret sins? What are our secret sins? What are my secret sins? What are your secret sins? Yes, the God in this prayer, that God has done that that he has set our secret sins in the light of your face, because God is light, as we saw last time. But we have to acknowledge part of this acknowledgement that we're not perfect yet. We are being perfected. We're not perfect. We're still in this way. We're still in this walk. But we have to, the very first thing is to acknowledge. And then once we acknowledge that, then we can really ask God the things that we really need to ask him in prayer every day and that we need to do every day. Let's go to Psalm 19, because this is the very thing that, that David prayed to God in Psalm 19, that he would show him that. But first we have to stop and think about it, and then we have to come to the light. This is a perfect example of coming to the light so that he may cleanse us, so that he may forgive us, so that he may continue to walk with us, so that everything would be manifest that is being done by the power of God. It's not by, own, by our own doing. 
But in Psalm 19, David prayed the following in verse 12. He said, who can understand his errors? He asked himself that question. But he didn't stay there. It wasn't just like the proverb, right? Who can say, I have made my hair clean. He says, oh, cleanse me from my secret faults. Why? Because he knew he, can, he couldn't see them by himself. He knew he couldn't see his secret faults. He knew that. But he asked God to cleanse him already of those secret faults. So it's important for us that we acknowledge them and that we ask God this. Cleanse me from my secret faults. Now, if we pray this, we have to be careful because if we pray this, we better be ready to not only be forgiven and be cleansed, but probably first to be shown that, to be shown the areas where we have lacked. See the things that are in the depths of our heart, the things that we don't even, that we may not even be aware of, or that we certainly don't want to admit, because we all have certain things. Think of the worst things that you've done. Think of the worst things that maybe you continue to do and the strongholds that you're still battling, whatever they may be. This is just an encouragement to, for all of us to, to analyze ourselves, but not in our light, but in the light of the Word of God, in prayer, coming before God and asking Him to show that, but that we are sincere with ourselves because God is not going to force us to do anything. He's not going to force us to see anything. But if we really do want to be changed, if we really want to break those strongholds and break through and go to the next things, to go to the next level, we definitely have to ask him for this. But be prepared. Be prepared to be shown your secret faults, as ugly as they may be. But that's fine. There's nothing that God cannot cleanse. Nothing. He continued here. He says, and keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Do not let them rule over me. Because so many times... Some of the biggest sins that we have are presumptuous sins. Those are the ones of arrogance, of pride, or in certain things. How many times did we hear it, right? Back in other organizations where it was like, but it's us and we're the best and the world is that. And just self-exaltation that it has nothing to do with the ways of God. It has nothing to do with the attitude that God wants us to have toward the rest of the world. If we are to be the light of the world, we have to get rid of this presumptuous attitude. This presumptuous sin, and now that we're approaching the Passover, to ask for this. To ask God to cleanse us from those secret faults. And to keep us from those presumptuous sin. Because they rule over us. That pride, before we know it, we say something. And even if we don't mean it that way, or like it comes out of our pride. It does. It's within our nature. And we have to keep coming back to God so that he can continue to cleanse that. Cleanse us from that. Because then he says, and then I shall be blameless, and then I shall be innocent of great transgression. Because it's true, that was the great transgression. If we want to point to one thing, the very first sin, Satan, that was it, pride. Until pride was finding in you. You were perfect. You were fulfilling your purpose to the max. You were wonderfully made. You were fulfilling all of these things. You were serving, and you were perfect in beauty until iniquity was found. And what was in that iniquity was pride. It was that presumptuous sin. That's what it was. So we have to ask God that he would cleanse us from those secret faults. That he makes us, that he makes us aware of those secret faults. Because sometimes we are not aware of that. Let's go to Luke 11 because this is one of the things that Jesus said. Luke 11. It's very interesting because the things that, that he said, and he declared it, right? Jesus Christ declared it. My, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. These are not just words. 
they have meaning and they have power and they have depth. And what we're talking about here, what he says here in Luke 11, let's go to verse 33. It's very meaningful, very meaningful because it comes. These are the words of life from life himself, from the light himself. And he said this in verse 33. Now, no one who lights a lamp sets it in a secret place or under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand so that those who are entering may see the light. And something very interesting, verse 34 says, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is without guile, your whole body is light. What is guile? It's deceit, right? It's that self-deception that we saw in First John 1, right? that if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth not in us. That's that guile. It says, so if our eye is without guile, then our whole body is light. It says, but when your eye is evil, your body also is dark. When our eye is evil, how is it when we cannot see? When we have the blinders on. And then the warning in verse 35, therefore beware that the light that is in you is not darkness. That's exactly what happens with the church of Laodicea. And that is the church at the end time, if we look at it as eras, and that's this cooling of the church. And not only that, it's, it's thinking that they're good. Right? And that is that deceit. It says, beware of the light that is in you is not darkness. Because how many times oh, it has been said to us and from the pulpit, we're good, but the world is not. You know? We're good, but the world is not. And the world is this and the world is that and, and we're so great and we're so... No, like, we, we have to be aware of who we really are. And not have that guile, not be Laodiceans thinking that we're all bad, but to really ask God to show us our secret faults, to cleanse us from those presumptuous sins. That's what we have to do. That's how we beware that the light that is in us is not darkness. Because think back in our worldwide days. How many people left? Or how many people left the truth, left uh, stopped walking after the true light? Why? Because it was this guile, because it was this darkness, because this light that they thought they had, and it's not to put them down at all, it's just the realization that this can happen to any of us anytime. That we have to all be aware that light that is in us is not darkness. We have to be aware of that. Because then if we're light, it says verse 36, now then if your whole body is light, not having any part dark, it shall be full of light, as when a lamp shines brightly, gives you light. When a lamp shining brightly gives you light. That's what we are to be. We're to be light, but we know we don't have any good within ourselves. We know it has to be God himself working in us. And it's also, like I said, it's a call to, to reflection. Let's go to Mark 4, because this is another verse that where God is showing us and telling us that we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful with ourselves, that we have to watch ourselves, that we have to come to the light, that only he can show us really who we are. And you know what? It's amazing because God doesn't reveal all our faults at once, because if he did, we'd probably give up. We'd probably be so discouraged. But he does it little by little as he's working with us. It's like he's putting the next stepping stone, and sometimes we don't know where we're going to go. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. 
That's why he's not showing us everything of who we are and everything that he still has to work with us in. Because if we did, it'd be too much. We probably couldn't handle it. Sometimes, I'm sure you've experienced this. Sometimes you feel that, you feel that awful trial or awful quality or trait that you're still fighting against and you can't help it. You feel that. And it's this heaviness. It's almost like you can't shake it up. But then God shows you that and then he shows you that he wants to work on that. Let's focus on this. Let's focus on this. Let's work together in this. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to change you. But you got to be, you got to be willing. You got to cooperate. You, you have to be put effort in this because we cannot, we shouldn't be deceiving ourselves. That's what the apostle John said. And that's what Jesus himself said. Beware of that light that is in you. It's not darkness. Mark 4, 21. This is a similar statement here where he said to, to, to his disciples, he says, it, it, it's a lamp lit to be put under a bushel basket or under a bed. Is it not rather lit to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that shall not be made manifest, nor has any secret thing taken place, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. We're not going to go there, but he also said, whatever you say in secret should be shouted from the rooftops. But that's what it is. Everything will be made manifest. And this is a, this is, you can view this thing from one of two perspectives. When one perspective is like, how scary, right? If we all had our dirty laundry aired right before everybody, before the congregation, if everybody was going to know all of our secret sins and all of our faults and all of our shortcomings and all of our, all of our sins, it would be a terrible thing. But in a sense, that's what he's saying. You can look at it that, that, that way, but you can also look at it as, but you know what? It doesn't matter if you bring it to God and God has forgiven you and you have repented and he has forgiven you, and you continue to walk in the light, and you continue to seek after God, there is no shame in that, because everybody else has the same. Maybe they're not the same sins, they're in other things, but they're just as awful. That's the reality of our human nature. That's the reality of who we are. And that's why he's saying it. There's nothing hidden that should not be manifest. So that we all come to repentance. So that we all come before him and confess. That's the key. Is not to put us down, is not to bring us down. On the other hand, is to really cleanse us, to really be purified, like Jesus was telling the Pharisees, right? It's like you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you know, you're full of evil things. But we should not be like that. That doesn't mean that we don't produce some of the same things inside of us. It's just that we have to come and he will cleanse us. He will cleanse the inside of the dish and of the cup, and then the outside will be clean. That's what he said to do. It says there's, there's nothing that has been taken in secret, that it should, but it should come to light. Because he is the light. And when we're all before the throne of Jesus Christ, there's going to be nothing else, nothing else hidden. Now, at that point, everything will be out in the open, but it will be forgiven. It will be in the past. We'll look back in our human lives and say, wow, <laughs> we really had to come a long way. We, were really, we really had no idea of who we were and what we were and all the things that you have to do. So sometimes that's why we go through these great trials and they seem immense before us. But it's, the reality is just wait. It's almost like God is saying, just wait and you'll see. I'll show you what I was doing. I'll show you the full picture. You don't quite get it yet, but you will. It's just amazing. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4 because here is a, 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 Paul is explaining the same thing. And again, this is not to bring us down. 
this is not to put any of us down or to make us depressed. It's actually just to be aware that God knows all things and he loves us. So we better come to him now and be sincere with him in our prayers. Be sincere about our issues. Be open with him. Have no secrets with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. Not only because they know, but because they want for us to come and acknowledge all of that. So that they have our cooperation in cleansing that, in changing that from the inside. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, it says, Therefore do not judge anything before the time. Wait until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the motives of all hearts. And then shall each one receive praise from God. And this is something very amazing because we've been looking at it from our perspective, but it applies to everybody. It applies to everybody. If you've been wrong, he says, don't judge it. Don't judge it before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will make it evident. You may be in the right, but that's okay. That's okay. If you were unjustly suffering, that's what he says, uh, the Apostle Peter, right? He says, that's okay. This is acceptable before God. Because if you suffer for what you did, well, what's good is, what good is it? You deserved it. But he says, no, just wait. He will bring to light all the hidden things of darkness, the sins. The most wretched things of human nature in all of us. It says, because, because he will make manifest the motives of all hearts. And we'll, we'll be surprised. We will be surprised. Some, sometimes people that we thought that they were willingly wrong, that they weren't, that their motives of their heart were not as, as bad as we thought. <laughs> Maybe we were judging things before the time. And we would be surprised the other way. Sometimes things that we thought it were good and from good intentions and good heart, they were not. Maybe they were not. Oh, but God will make it all, make it all manifest. Those motives will be manifest because all of us, and the entire world, not at the same time, we understand there's a first resurrection and then there's a second resurrection. We know that. But he will make it all manifest from everybody. There's nothing hidden that shall not be manifest. But if we confess before God and he forgives and he's working on those things, there's nothing to be ashamed of because that's who we are. We have to own it. We have to own that part. And we have to let God show us that. So that he can cleanse. We cannot cleanse ourselves as we read. But this is important to, to know and understand that it's all going to be judged by God. Let's go back to 1 John again where we started. 1 John 1. Because we read verse 6. And we read that we're not to lie to ourselves. And we're to practice the truth. That we have to walk in, in the light. Not be walking in darkness. Verse 7. However, if we walk in the light. This is the counterpart. If we walk in the light. As he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And this is talking about God the Father. He says, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son. That's how we know that he's talking about God the Father. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son cleanses us from all sin. And it's an amazing thing. Because it's what we were talking about. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven except the one that is not repented of. And that's why we have to come to God so that he may show us also those secret faults, also those presumptuous sins, all those things. God, we want, we want to walk in the light because if we're walking in the light, if we're being sincere, if we're being open with ourselves. If we're open with God and confess before God and we do these things, then we're going to really have fellowship with one another because we are honest, we are sincere. 
there is nothing to hide, there's no ulterior motives. This is all about really having fellowship with one another. And then, in that sincerity, is where it, that's how the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. But we have to repent. We have to come to him. So what are the things that we need to do then in order to walk in the light? We've seen that when these are important steps, first to acknowledge and to understand all of these. But let's go to some psalm to read about the things that we need to do, some of the things that we need to do to be walking in the light. The first thing, let's go to Psalm 43. Psalm 43. Because the very first thing that we have to do is to desire it. We have to desire to be walking in that light, to see that light, to come to the light, to desire it. That's what we read in John 3, right? Like it says, men love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. But if you love the light, you're going to come to the light. You're going to come to the light again, not to glory yourself, but to give the glory to God. And in verse 3, it says in the Psalm here, in Psalm 43, Oh, send out your light and your truth. This is the desire, with this desire. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Pray this to God. Send your light and your truth. Let that word enlighten us every day with the things that we read in it. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain and to your tabernacles. What does that mean? That's, that is our future. That is our purpose. Our purpose is to be forever with God in New Jerusalem. That is. But we have to pray for that light. We have to desire that light, that truth. And that let that light lead us and guide us and bring us ultimately to his holy mountain and to his tabernacles. And listen to what is going to happen then. Verse 4, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Why? Because... We're cleansed. We're free. We finally change. This transformation, at least in this first phase, from human beings to spirit beings, is complete. That's the exceeding joy. Yeah, upon the light, I will praise you, O oh God, my God. That's what we are. That's our future. That's why we want that light. The first thing that we have to do is desire it. The next thing that we have to do is to seek out his will. Let's go to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Because we have to, we have to seek, seek his will. What is the will of God? And it's not a guessing game. God will reveal it to us. But we have to come to him. That's why in John 3 he said, those, those that are practicing the truth come to the light. And we have to come to the light every day so that he shows us his will. It's not a guessing game. God is not a distant God out there, detached from all humanity like many people and religions faint Him. No, God wants to dwell in our hearts and in our minds. He promised that He would. If we have His commandments and are keeping them, that's what we're reading John 14. And that's a promise. You can count on that. Because He is near God, near unto us, near unto His people. But we have to then... Seek what that will is by coming to him. Psalm 18 and verse 28. This is written down so that we know that it will happen. It says, for you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will make my darkness light. He will come and with that spirit of man, that lamb that searches it all, is going to, he's going to, and with his Holy Spirit, he's going to show us all. He's going to show those dark places within our hearts, within our minds. He's going to show it all. He will make that darkness light. 
and is not to make us ashamed, is not to make us make us sick from it or disgusted. No, so he may we may repent and he may cleanse it because we know that the light purifies. There's light so strong that can kill bacteria, it can kill viruses, it can kill everything. And that's what it is. It says, the Lord my God will make my darkness light. He will do it. He will do it. That's His will. That's what we have to do. In verse 30, it says, as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all those who take refuge in Him. So that's what we have to do. We have to come to Him. He will protect us. But how, how is it that God does this? How is it that then once we desire it and we're seeking His will, how does it actually take place? How can we walk in the light? Let's go to Psalm 19, one, the next Psalm over. Psalm 19, 8. Because these are, these are the tools, so to speak. There's so much more. Tools doesn't even do it justice. But this is what He does. In verse 8, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. And it really is, we can read verse 7, it's really verse 7 and verse 8. These two verses, these four things, as we said in another message, these are the actual works of the law. The works of the law are these. The works of the law, like it says in verse 7, is restoring the soul. That's what the law does. Don't let anybody tell you, that the works of law are trying to earn your salvation. That's not what he means. This is a complete misunderstanding. The works of the law are restoring the soul, is making wise the simple, is rejoicing the heart, and enlightening the eyes. So that's how we can be enlightening, enlightened by the commandments of the Lord, because they are pure. They are absolutely pure. If we don't keep him perfectly, it's because there's still some darkness in it. But the good news is that we can come to God and ask him to show us that, to cleanse us, to send his light and his truth so that he can lead us, so he can guide us with that light, with that truth, to enlighten our eyes. These are the tools. This is what God uses to cleanse us. This is what God uses to change us. Let's go to Proverbs 6. There's another tool in Proverbs 6. There's many others. You can find them if you look for them. You can find them. But these are the amazing things that the God uses. And he explains to us what they are and what they do. And it's, it's truly a wonderful thing. Proverbs, Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 in verse 20. Proverbs 6, verse 20. It says, My son, keep your father's commandments. Again, what we just read, right? And do not forsake the instruction of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. And then he tells us how these work. What is this operation? When you go, they shall lead you. When you sleep, they shall keep you. When you awake, they shall talk with you. Why? For the commandment is a lamp. Very clear how we can walk in the light. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And Jesus Christ himself is the light because he gave, those are his nature. His laws are his nature. That's the reason he gave us his laws, is to understand him, to know him, to understand his nature, how he thinks, how he processes things. And that's what we need to know. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. 
These are the tools. These are the tools, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. And it's an active relationship. You see it right here. You see them right here. When you go, they shall lead you. That's exactly what we saw in the psalm, right? Let them lead me. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. When you go, they shall lead you. When you sleep, they shall keep you. They shall protect you. You shall not be afraid. It says, when you awake, they shall talk with you. Because they're wonderful. The commandments of God are amazing. They're the best thing that can happen to any human being. Really, obviously, besides the resurrection, obviously the calling of God and His operation of the Spirit, but it comes with. They're inseparable. The commandments and the laws of God are inseparable from His purpose, from His calling, from His rela the relationship with God. They're inseparable. They're amazing. Because it's God Himself. He's the one that is leading you. He's the one that is protecting you. He's the one that is talking with you through His Word, through His commandments. That is what he said. Let's go to Psalm 119 because it confirms what we just read. These are just some scriptures that talk about the tools. Because this is how we can walk in the light. Psalm 119, verse 105. I think many of you know where I'm going. It's probably a memory verse. But it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. It's the word. So we saw the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, we saw all these things, but it's the entire word of God. Because it's not only the laws, but the application of those laws is the purpose and plan of God. It's his ordinances, all his commandments, and the entire Sermon on the Mount is commandments. And the spirit of the law, and there's more. And there's more commandments, and commandments that the apostles also gave, because they received them from Jesus. So they're part of his law because it's all his word. That's why we are to keep the entire word of God, not just the New Testament, like some Christians do, or just not just the Old Testament, like some Jews do. No. And it's not, again, it's not to put them down. It's just the realization that is the entire word of God. The entire word of God is a lamp to our feet and light to our path. That's how we can walk in the light. That's how we do it. Because these are the very things, now we can put it together with some of the things that Jesus was saying. Let's go back to John 11. Because this is amazing when we start putting together what the Word of God says in this way to understand how we walk in the light. And then what Jesus was warning about and what he was saying. John 11 and verse 7. It's, and this is when he was going to resurrect Lazarus, right? Remember? And then it says in verse 7, after this, he said to his disciple. Let us go into Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Master, the Jews were just seeking to stone you. And you are going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, so let's analyze this a little bit. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. And, it, and you can see it. You can see how he was talking about, in the physical sense, the light of the world. The sun is out. It's 12 hours in the day. You're walking in the day. You don't stumble because you see that light. But who said, I am the light of the world? Himself. So he said he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. And he was the light of the world. And, that, and we know that because what he says in verse 10. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. That's different. In him, he changes. He changes from the light of the world in the day and the physical to the spiritual. 
If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. It is not the light of the world outside that is showing us where to go. Is God the Father and Jesus Christ dwelling in us? That's what he's really talking about here. That's why he says he stumbles because the light is not in him. Walking in the night equals walking in the darkness or going into the darkness. And like we talked about at the beginning, we all do from time to time. We all do stray away for periods of time. But we have to come back to the light. Come back to the light in purpose. To never, ever leave God and to always come back and to always ask for forgiveness and always repent from the heart and to ask God that he would show us those secret faults, that he would really do that scanning with his light to kill all the bad stuff in us, that we would repent and that he would cleanse us through the blood of the Lamb. That's what we have to do. Because this is about a relationship. That's what he said, that because the light is not in him. This is a relationship. This is dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. Let's read Psalm 36. Let's go to Psalm 36 and verse 9. Because there's something very interesting here. It's just, there's, there's so many things in the Word of God. But like David really got it. David really knew all of these things and much more. He was inspired to write all these things for a reason. Verse, verse 9 in Psalm 36, because that's, this is you know, a Psalm of David, and it says, For with you he understood who God was. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we shall see light. If we're not with you, we'll go in darkness. We go astray. We don't even know what we do. And that happened to David, right, with Bathsheba. He didn't even know. He didn't even know until Nathan came to him and started telling him, Right? The prophet, you did this and you did that. He had no idea. He had no idea. He was walking in darkness for a period of time. But he's one of the greatest examples. It's like you can go astray and look the evil that he did. And, but when he came to God, he came with all his heart. He came back to the light as soon as he was pointed out to him. And he repented with everything within him. Let's go to the next Psalm 37. There's some things here to talk, to talk about walking in the light because these are the things that we need to do. To walk in the light. In verse 3 it says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cherish faithfulness. We have to trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's another step above. It's not just trusting. But it's delighting yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because when you really delight yourself in the Lord. His will is going to be your will. And it will come to, ha to pass. Those desires of your heart is going to be to do the will of God. So it will absolutely come to pass when we subject ourselves to him. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. Meaning come back to the light and he shall bring forth your righteousness like the light and your judgment like the noonday. Why? Because that's the light of himself being there. If we're trusting in the Lord, if we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, if we're committing our ways to the Lord, that is what he wants us to do. And then there's another thing to do in verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way. We saw that. We saw everything will be brought to light. Everything in its time. God will judge everyone and everything and all the motives and intentions of every person. Says, so do not fret yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of him who carries out wicked schemes. That's what we're to do. And yet another thing, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret yourself. It leads only to evil. 
That's what God says. Cease from anger. Stop. Don't be mad. Put it in his hands. Put it in his hands. Because the very first thing that we have to put in God's hands is ourselves and our own faults. And that's what we have to do. So this is how we walk in the light. When we trust in the Lord, when we delight in the Lord, when we commit our weight to him, when we rest in him, when we cease from anger. These are five things to do. This is very important. Let's go back to 1 John. We're getting close to the end. 1 John verse, chapter 1, verse 8, continuing with this chapter. Because this, is, this takes another meaning after reading all these scriptures when we understand what this is really talking about. That we do not deceive ourselves. It says, verse 8, if we say that we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. This is proof that we still have the law of sin and death. This is proof that we still do sin. We do. If we say we have no sin, we are just deceiving ourselves. If we think that we are rich and have need of nothing, we are deceiving ourselves. We are lukewarm. We are about to be spewed out from God's mouth. And we do not want that. And then, and, but that's why we have to be aware. We'll be right back. Keep your finger here in First John one. We'll go quickly to Matthew six because this is what Jesus was warning about. These are the things that we need to be careful of, and that's why John really points them out very straightforward in, in his epistle. Matthew six verse twenty two. It says, "The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye be sound, your whole body shall be full of light." But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. And here's the warning. Therefore, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Imagine if we think that we're okay, but we're really not because we're not being honest with ourselves, because we're trying to deceive ourselves. We don't want to acknowledge certain things. We want to keep them in the corner of our belly or the corner of our heart where we think that God doesn't see, where we think that God doesn't know when we just don't want anybody ever, because it's so shameful, to see, then, there's, then we have some part of darkness. And we, don't want, and we don't want to fall into that trap. We don't fall, want to fall into the trap that believing that because, you know, we're in the church of God and because we have been given so many truths from his word and we've been given the Sabbath and the holidays and his plan and all of these things, we cannot be deceiving ourselves. God really wants to get to every single crevice in our heart. He does. And not be thinking that because of all these exterior things that we're okay. We cannot be blind or have some darkness. Because if this light that we think we have is darkness, imagine how great is that darkness. That's what he was talking about here. But let's go back. Let's go back to First John 1 in verse 9. Because this is the antidote. This is what we've been talking about. This is really how we walk in the light, along with all the other things that we've studied today. But it says here, if we confess our own sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to confess. That's the key. The key is to confess. The key is to acknowledge. And again, sometimes we don't even know. We don't even see it. David couldn't see it. But God will bring it to light. Because he loves us. And when that happens, don't be discouraged. Sometimes it's, it's when God brings something to your attention that he needs you to repent of, is not to shame you, is not to put you down, is not, it's not to do any of those things. It's just to bring it before God so that he can cleanse us of that. It's a very good thing. It's not pleasant. It's not nice, but it's good. 
is definitely really good because he wants to go to the root of all these problems. That's what he wants us to do. Let's go to let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Because this is what we are to do. Now that we've studied a little bit more of how we, how to walk in the light. Ephesians 5 verse 8. The Apostle Paul is saying, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. That's what we are to do. And he says, because the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That and the fruit of the Spirit. If we're walking as children of light, if we're coming to our Father every day, every morning, every night, coming to him, confessing our sins. And if we don't recall any sins, we just ask. He will bring them to light and he will be compassionate. He will bring them little by little so that we can actually digest them, so that we can process them, so that we can repent sincerely of them, so that he can be tearing down all that pride and all that arrogance, all those presumptuous sins. He will do that. He will do that. This is the God that we serve. It's a God of light. It's a God of truth. It's a God of purity. And that's whom we serve. And that's what he wants for every single one of us. That is what, that, that is what we will do. Because as it says, and we'll conclude with the scripture in Psalm 27, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And he gets comforted and he gets reaffirmed in it. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We're not to be afraid. We're not to be afraid of anyone or anything. Because God is our light. He is our salvation. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to ask him to show us the path. And we have to do our part that we read. We have to be dwelling in his word and in his commandments and his law. And all of the things that he has in his words, his entire word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Therefore, brethren, let us all strive to walk in the light every day with everything in us. Because the Lord is our light and our salvation.